0: I was stalking hoes in the center of town. Check it out, I'm right here. This is Show World Center. How to Show It Town. show I'm happy to. I'm taking you.
1: Welcome to Tales of Times Square, the tapes. I'm Josh Allen Friedman. Hello, suckers. That was the famous greeting of Texas Guinan, Prohibition nightclub hostess of 1920s Times Square. This is the 17th and last episode of this series, based upon my 1986 book, Tales of Times Square. So I'm going to give a little of my own background. I've been cursed and blessed with two careers, that of a writer and a guitar player. It's a 50-50 life and I've used a lot of my music throughout this podcast for my albums. I'd hate to say goodbye to all the new people who've joined me on Old Broadway, so if you subscribe at blackcracker.fm, our website, will alert you to the next series from Black Cracker Presents, interviews with great novelists and songwriters from the past, but who are still with us every day. In 1986, a year before I followed my wife to Texas, I was sitting upstairs at McDonald's on 48th and Broadway. It was Thanksgiving Eve. Just watching who was there, I suddenly derived inspiration from the cardboard ingredients of my fish fillet. This was Old Times Square on the brink of extinction. I started to feel like Clement fucking Moore or something the night before Christmas so I jotted down observations on a napkin. This 45 became my first single record after I moved to Texas released by a Dallas label that next released the Dixie Chicks first album. Here's Thanksgiving at McDonald's in Times Square.
2: Baby, I watched a horse vomit at Forty-six and Duffy Square. Little Jack Horney was up in the awning of Howard Johnson's neon glare. Perched from my upstairs Extra seating table view I saw the lights go on For the all-life whirly girly review Broadway's Worst burly cue First time since 62 Live new girls Were dining like The Barclays of Broadway The subway toilet queen Enjoyed his Seventh fish fillet Thanks. Giving at McDonald's, thank thee Lord I pray. And if I die before I wake, somebody dump my tray. Tommy, Gunn, and Angel were fisting on the triple treat stage eight times a day. Angel said in three months, baby, our mobile home will be paid away. Tommy wore his werewolf mask, was baying at the moon. Show business, show business, I'll have to leave it soon. Puerto Rican pre-ops their French fries through the gap in his teeth. The menu made the derelict sit down underneath. And everyone who saw a chorus line was tucked in bed. But Tommy picked a broken bottle from a plate in his hand. Soda can man made the rounds Calling Dr. Pepper, Dr. Brown Styrofoam's all he could afford to eat Bedlam on the takeout line Squeegee wants his fries Counterboy from Golden Gloves Knocks it right between his eyes El Producto from the corner of the crossroads of the world on me by Subway from the Bronx. Christmas in the drunk tank. Easter in Bellevue. There's only one establishment I'd like to dine with you. Thanksgiving at McDonald's. Thank thee, Lord, I pray. And if I die before I wake, somebody please my
1: Times Square, as I knew it, was coming to an end and my job was finished there but what a time was had I learned many of its secrets behind the forbidden backdoors of establishments that were themselves forbidden. But where did my fascination with Times Square start? Well, I was always attracted to bad neighborhoods, but long before that, my grandparents, born on the Lower East Side at the turn of the century, gravitated to Times Square like everybody else. My grandfather moonlighted at silent-screen movie theaters during the 1920s playing stride piano under the screen. That's him, Irving Friedman, playing at his 60th birthday party in the Bronx in 1958. I was there at two years old. And here's my dad, novelist Bruce J. Friedman, making a toast. I'd like to
2: propose a toast right now to my father. It's February 2nd,
0: 1958.
2: My father on his 60th birthday, many more years of health, and happiness. Well, thank you very much. From so 917
1: Sheridan Avenue in the heart of the United Nations, the, the Flash of Glen Cove. What's your name? He's got a form. And map. here's What's me name, at two.
0: Hi. Josh,
1: Josh Allen Friedman. Very good. Now, do we have anybody else here? My father's spinster Aunt Essie spent her life as a box office marm in the Schubert Theater on Broadway. Dispensing the tickets for Pal Joey, Babes in Arms, Kiss Me Kate, she didn't talk much. Because of Essie's ticket connections, my father was ushered into every flop on Broadway during the 1930s and 40s, never the hits. My grandmother admired press agents who abounded in Times Square and hoped my father might rise to such a position. Press agent, the height of prestige, when he grew up. Ladies and gentlemen, once again from My Fair Lady, I've grown accustomed to her race, sort of a song for segregationists.
2: Only I could always be that way again, and yet I've grown accustomed to her looks, accustomed
0: to her voice, accustomed to her I How is Sexy Rexy Friedman?
1: So I felt some ancestral connection to Broadway. Like returning to an elephant graveyard. I was enthralled. The decaying theaters where showbiz was invented. The pastrami sandwiches and Needix hot dogs. The low-budget girly flicks. The sex and danger. The showgirls and strippers and hookers who had their slut pumps customized at the Paradise Bootery on Broadway. Gorgeous gals who didn't know that they were beautiful. Aging guys and dolls in the Damon Runyon sense, if you picture the musical, they saw their era disappearing into the squalor of 1970s New York, hanging on to their traditions, like the restaurants of Old Broadway, the, the stage, the Carnegie's, Sardi's, Gallagher's, Frankie's and Johnny's, and Dinty Moore's, an Irish restaurant with kosher food. And the working class joints, there were Five different Howard Johnsons and at Tad Steaks even derelicts could dine on the cheapest grisliest steak known to man. The Irish bars, the Blarney Stones and Shandon Stars, where night shift Con Edison workers knocked down a shot of cheap whiskey with their corned beef and cabbage plates steaming right at the bar. The theatres where my grandmother cabbed down from the Bronx to see every Ethel Merman musical. Oh, call me an old sentimental fool. We're here at the Black Cracker Music Building in Times Square on Old Broadway. The shoeshine man in the lobby, Chappie, is giving a good shellacking to Daily News columnist Ed Sullivan's Oxfords. Ed buys his socks at Lightens on Broadway, one of the more conservative customers where all the high-rolling gamblers, bookies, pimps, and jazz musicians shop. The only place for a Billy Eckstein roll-collar shirt. There's Bud Abbott in the phone booth, calling his bookie to place a $100 bet at Roosevelt. Paul Revere in the fourth. All the phone booths in the lobby serve as offices for bookies and broken-down hustlers, each with a short bet or a hot act just in from Chicago. Here's Max Asnes, proprietor of the stage Delicatessen, where all the comedians go to watch regular folks dine. Max, have you got another cunt joke for us tonight?
2: I says, I know one thing, that a married man has a few drinks. It's his double and it takes his single. I don't have the problem.
1: We're now outside Hubert's Museum, which will close forever in 1975 and become the location of Peepland. Professor Heckler's Fleas performed in the basement here for 40 years. Here's Charlie Lucas, the Barker, unearthed by Gregory Gibson, author of the book Hubert's Freaks.
0: This is 42nd Street. This is Times Square. Hubert's Museum have been in business for 41 long years. We have the biggest and the best show in town. And it's alive, living, as you are alive It's like dying going to heaven. If you have 50 cents, you'll get in here. Hurry along, hurry along, hurry along, It is showtime.
1: human. By the time I came of age, Times Square had turned into Dante's Inferno. To an adolescent boy, a hooker seemed like some mythological creature, something from a grim fairy tale, I couldn't believe they really existed. Yet all across 8th Avenue, far as the eye could see, were ladies stationed in doorways at ramshackle massage parlors lurking in alleys when you emerged from Fiddler in the Roof or Man of La Mancha. They catcalled, made eye contact, beckoned to come hither. So I will now delve into the most compelling, intoxicating lure of Old Times Square. The endless whirl of girls, girls, girls. Wait a minute, I can't do that. I got a family, you know. But once, in an odd situation, I was stationed in the back of a limousine in Times Square. Several hookers knocked and asked if they could come in from the cold. It was twenty degrees outside. Of course I let them in. We parked on forty second street, between 9th and tenth Avenues, where it was barren of traffic, and the girls made themselves quite comfortable. But then, a hard knock on the window. Two angry cops having a bad day.
0: Open up. Yes, officer? What are you doing parked here? And what's going on in there? I'm, d- I'm doing research. Research, is it? And just what kind of research might that be? Actually, I'm
1: working. Working?
0: Working? And who might these girls be?
1: These are workers. I'm gathering statistics.
0: That's the biggest load of horseshit I've heard all week. Statistics on what?
2: Well, on these girls
1: here. I'm with Screw Magazine.
0: Screw Magazine? What is that? A hardware publication? Of a sort, yes. Knots? Bolts? That sort of thing? Well, no, it's... it's uh... I've heard enough. Is that what you're gonna tell the judge when I bring you downtown? Yes, I am. Because that's where you're going, under arrest. How do you think you get your
1: statistics? You get them from Screw. Here's my press card. You can check with Inspector Burke at headquarters.
0: Inspector Burke? I know Inspector Burke.
1: Well, check with him. He'll tell you. Screw.
0: You're saying you're going to tell that to the judge? Certainly. We'll all be caught between a shit and a sweat. All right, well, just move on. You can't park here.
1: I was 20 when I first got published in Screw Magazine in 1976. And though I soon began to write for the Soho News and New York Magazine, Penthouse, etc. Screw was the most honest operation in publishing. The only magazine that paid on time, like clockwork, and dealt straight with writers and artists. It was like Mad Magazine with a cock, as Al Goldstein used to say, an underground pornographic newspaper with a huge above-ground readership. It sold between 50 and 100,000 copies a week and was stacked out front of every newsstand in New York, right alongside the Daily News and The Post. A hard-boiled newspaper reporter who had gone to college with my father took me out to dinner. "'I'm ashamed of you, Josh,' he confided over drinks. "'Aren't you ashamed to work there?' You'll never be able to get a job at the Daily News. You need to do a few more stories for New York or The Voice. Sweep all that dirty crap away. And then from the side of his mouth, "Geez, I bet you get to meet some broads there. What do you say, me and you, we take on a few of those porno broads one night. Jeez, that Goldstein must be rich. How much is he worth? Anyway, I'm ashamed of you. I'm telling you, get out of there. When the staff of Screw went out to dinner in the 1970s, we all drank a toast to sexual repression. The guilt, the shame, the legal battles against sex. Where would we be without it? The editors at Screw were just family men who got their nightmares out on paper. At our weekly editorial meeting at the office on 14th Street over coffee and donuts, Al Goldstein brought a guest each week to observe us in action. He brought Melvin Van Peebles, Jerry Damiano, Gay Talese, Philip Roth, even Abby Hoffman when he was out on the lam. Roth called us nine to five anarchists. The job of covering Times Square soon fell to me. Nobody else wanted it. Other writers were ashamed to be seen there, frightened, or considered it beneath them. There were like 50,000 writers in New York, and I had this whole place to myself. I remember a couple of Melody Burlesque dancers canceling an evening out with me and my writer pal Mickey Descend. They had to run up to the Bronx to entertain some cement union officials. I remember thinking, some fucking cement truck guys are more important than Mickey and me? But they were captains of the Colombo family, run by Junior Persico, Big Dino, and Tommy Schatz. These guys are heavier than the Sopranos. Those were $500 BJs. I recall riding across 42nd Street in the back of a cop car one Saturday night in August. It was a hundred degrees outside. The windows were rolled up and the air conditioning was on full blast.
2: Round round, get around I get around
1: And the Beach Boys "I Get Around" was playing on the radio. While well, we were surrounded by skells, that's what the cops call these festering junkies and prostitutes and winos and ghetto kids and felony sneakers. The old-timers were always my favorites. Here's an audio montage of the people from Tales of Times Square.
0: Yesterday's cheers have a very short echo. You've
2: got the
0: pornography, all that ugly show Showgirl is a world supermarket. You gonna have a change? No, sir. I couldn't believe kids in the world. And they all go at They mind turn
2: into You know, human beings is animals. Instead of being a tough guy, you show like a, a ragged guy. Cheap bars and hotels and whatnot. You know, this was the middleman's
0: entertainment center. You don't call that entertainment, do you? Uh, fun. That's Izzy, you want to be swan? Do it the right way. Behave yourself. Let the authorities
2: clean
0: it up. They can do it in 24 hours. We're in The people that we to just play with themselves.
2: Stick around by. Stick, stick, stick. You're loved Great person. Who loves confidence. Who doesn't?
0: My self-respect is not the say, My self-respect is not the atmosphere. My self-respect is not the same.
1: Back at Screw magazine, I quit smoking, along with the whole office. Met some of my best friends for life, like Richard Jacoma who plays the Irish cop on this episode. And most serendipitously, I met my wife. In the summer of 1981, when I was senior editor, I began to notice some interesting activity across the 11th floor art director's window. Ballerinas and cheerleader types scurried about in the windows of the building behind us. Incredibly, for 12 years, no other screw staffer before me had ever noticed this phenomenon. It was the Markle-Evangeline Hall, run by the Salvation Army for young girls from the South attending college in New York. I hollered out the window about 20 yards to a blonde knockout for her phone number. Her roommates clasped their hands over her mouth, but not before she yelled back the downstairs phone exchange in the, their room, so I dialed her up. The girl who answered said it was her second day in New York from the Texas panhandle. Don't ever give out your phone number to strangers in the city, I advised. Well, just who are y'all? We're Screw Magazine, and thank God you gave your number to us. If you had been across from time life, you would have really fallen in with some perverts. and on that note dear listener let me conclude this series based on my 1986 book tales of times square if you subscribe at blackcracker.fm we'll send you four more mini episodes from plato's retreat in the 1970s and some dressing room interviews with strippers but don't go away if you'll stay with me i'd like to continue this podcast in a few months with a new season Black Cracker Presents, great novelists and songwriters who are no longer with us, Mario Puzo, Doc Pomas, Jerry Lieber, Cy Coleman, and even a 1977 interview with Lou Reed in which he threatened to kill me. I'd also like to delve deeper into that long-lost state of mind that was 20th century New York. For instance, the Lower East Side in the 1930s, Here's part of a demo from my musical in progress that considers the street corner question of, just who was, the toughest Jew in New York.
2: Some Jews are hot, some Jews are cold, sweating in their shop, prematurely the old. There's smart Jews and upstart Jews and thousands of pushcart Jews and orange. And, blues, and even macaroni Jews, And rabbis from the pale, who Cossacks couldn't jail. One Supreme Court fellow, and half of Fiorello. the toughest jew in the city jew in new york who's the toughest jew in the city who is that jew who is that jew? who's the toughest jew in the city jew in new york who who's the toughest jew in the city who is that jew calling all let on the Lower East Side Be you a lion, a judah Or a hebrew french fry. hebrew french fry Defend his neighborhood block From the darky or molarky From the mickle-wop The mickle-wop Be a wannabe Come be a mac Who takes the strongest me Down on the boundary.
1: This is Josh Allen Friedman Signing off from Old Broadway We'll see you next season
2: Who's the toughest Jew in the city, who is that Jew?